Luke chapter 5, we have a short time this morning, but I want to go through this with you. Aren't you glad God gave us the Bible? The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of everyone who believes and cherishes the Bible. And I hope you'll love the Bible. What you and I do with the Bible will determine what God does with us. I'm going to ask everybody not to talk to one another. I see a few folks talking through our song service. And if you want to talk, I would respect you if you just get up and go outside and go out in the parking lot, stand in the cold and talk to yourself, okay? But uh, if you're in here, let's respect those around us. Occasionally someone complains and says, oh, there's some young people talking in front of me. It just really grieves me. And not because of what I have to say, because I'm just, a, I'm just an instrument. But uh, we're talking about the Bible. We're talking about the things of God. We want the Lord to help us. So please give attention, if you would, please. Luke chapter 5 is the story of the Lord Jesus and his ministry. He's early in his ministry. He has just gotten three men to follow him. Uh, Peter, James, and John. They've just left their fishing, uh, their fishing business, and they have followed the Lord Jesus Christ. So it looks like to me it might be as many as three or four men. He has not selected all of his disciples. In this passage, he'll select another one who works for the Roman IRS. Matthew or Levi will begin to follow him. But we see the Lord is doing something, and he has now done a miraculous work with the fish and the fishermen, and they left it all and sent that to the market maybe, but they said, you know, we're going to follow Jesus. And they left it and they followed with him. As he was going on his way, he meets a man that is full of leprosy. Let's look, if we can, please, at verse number 12 of chapter 5. And the Bible says, And it came to pass that when he was in a certain city, which God chose us to leave anonymous, what city was probably one of the 250 villages around Galilee, behold, a man full of leprosy. He was not just tainted taintly by it or just a little bit by it. He's, he's, he's eaten up with it. Who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And the Bible says that Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. That would have been anathema. Boy, to go and, and to put your hand on someone so sick with leprosy would just been a death. It would have been, a, it would have been death for you if you were to do that. Matter of fact, the leprosy has everything to do, it was a terrible disease at the time, where the extremities of the body, would, the nerve endings would begin to, to go away. And because of that, there would be no feeling in fingers and, and extremities, and the end of their nose would oftentimes uh, begin to fall off, and the fingers would, would uh, begin to be damaged and hurt because they had no feelings, and the toes and the feet. And it would just eat them from the outside in. And many damaging things. As a matter of fact, people feared leprosy. And it had been probably many years since somebody was healed of leprosy. But this man was really a mess. And he was full of it. He had it all over him. No doubt his nose was falling off. His fingers and maybe just little nubs. And he sees Jesus. And he comes and he falls on his face in front of Jesus. And said, Jesus, if thou wilt. Could you heal me? Could you help me? He said, if you do it, I'd be so grateful. And the Bible says that Jesus reached down. He didn't just speak to him. He touched him. Let's continue, and we'll make some applications here this morning. And the Bible says, he says, I will be thou clean. He goes, I will heal you. You're clean. And, and immediately the leprosy departed from him. 
And he charged him to tell no man, but to go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according to Moses commanded from a testimony unto them. Verse number 15. But so much the more went the fame abroad unto him, and, and the great multitudes came together to hear and to heal, to be healed by him of their infirmities. This is just a short little uh, happening in the life of Jesus, but it's very powerful. He had just now picked up these disciples, and now this man comes and says, Could, I'm full of leprosy, but if thou wilt, would you clean me? And he, he touched him. He said, I will, be thou clean. He told him to go to the priest. That is the rabbinical, the priesthood there, the, the, the sons of Aaron. And they were going to do, Leviticus chapter 13 and 14 gave the rules. If anyone had leprosy, they didn't go to the doctor to get cured or didn't get to get certified. They went to the priest and the priest had a ritual that they did. I'm sure these priests were really, um, they, were, they were like very ignorant of all they had to do. They probably had to go back to the Bible and look and remind themselves what happens here. Because they had not seen a man cured of leprosy, no doubt, in their entire ministry. But he said, go find the priest, tell them, and then keep it on the lowdown. Don't, don't tell everybody. And, um, you know, it's interesting. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, those of you who are Bible students, you'll notice that in years after Jesus goes back to heaven, many of the priests were turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. No doubt because of the lepers and seems everyone had the same story. Jesus healed me. Jesus healed me. Jesus healed me. And many of those priests came to know the Lord because and converted to Christ, probably because of the miracles that they had observed in the people. You know, I, I, don't, I, I want to keep going here, but I will say to you, some of you and some of us, we've got things that are just in over our head. That's kind of leprosy and sin kind of are similar. They just slowly take your life. And sin takes you to the lake of fire unless you have the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ. Unless you come into an encounter with Jesus. If you find yourself in a mess, whether you are not saved, you're not sure if you were to die the day you'd go to heaven, you know what you need? You need to come to Jesus. And he needs to touch you. He won't touch you physically, but he'll touch you with forgiveness. And this man had no hope he had no hope in the doctors. He had no hope in psychologists. He had no hope in any place else in humanity. But he came and took his, his leprosy to Jesus. And when you and I have sin, what we need to do is take it to Jesus. The church cannot forgive your sin. Baptistry waters can't wash away your sin. You can't be good enough to cancel your sin. Oh, just like this man realized that he was going to die unless he got to Jesus. And dear friend, you'll die and go to hell unless you come to Jesus. And humbly do what he did. He just fell before the Lord and said, Lord, if you will, would you, would you save me? Would you help me? And the Lord Jesus so mercifully. You'll find in the scriptures that when someone asked, asked Jesus for help, he helped them every single time. Even the thief on the cross said, remember me. He said, oh, okay, I'll do that. He helps people that ask him. He's very close to people who have a contrite heart, who will humble themselves and say, God, help me. Forgive my sin. If you find yourself, say, Pastor, I've already done that. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, but I'm in a mess. I'm addicted. I've got issues. I've got problems. I've got these things that are overwhelming me. You know what you need to do? Get back to Jesus. Come back to him in humility and honesty and openness and say, God, please help me.
And you'll find that Jesus will meet you where you are, just like he met this leper. We said, let's keep it down. But unfortunately, this man didn't keep it down. And the news got out. And more people begin to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. They begin to come to where he was. Notice, if you would please, in verse number 16, what happened. Read it with me, would you please? And he withdrew himself into the wilderness. Even in great victories, all of us need times of solitude with the Lord. He had a busy day, but you know, let me tell you something. It's your private time alone that gives you power in public to obey. You try to live the Christian life without having time alone with your Heavenly Father, and you're going to fall flat on your face. And I am proof I've done that many times. You get busy in the work of the Lord and forget the Lord of the work. It oftentimes happens. We see the model. Jesus was 100% God, and he was 100% man. And dear friend, if Jesus needed to get aside alone and withdraw himself to spend time in prayer. Guess who else needs to do that? Can we put both of our hands up? We need to do it. We need to get that time. You'll never be the sweet wife you ought to be, the husband, the father, the brother, the sister, the son, the daughter. You'll never be the citizen or the Christian you ought to be if you do not spend some time alone with the Lord. We see this, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has approached, there's a great victory. This, this man had leprosy, now he's clean. Now people have come to him and he's helping them one after the other, dealing with their needs and helping them. And it's, 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 it's drained him, no doubt. And he withdrew himself and he prayed. Let me encourage every Christian, take time to spend time alone with the Lord. Brother Hiles used to quote a little, uh, uh, he was our pastor for 42 years here at First Baptist Church. And he had this little poem, I met God in the morning when the day was at its best. His presence came like a glory, like a sunshine on my breast. All day long, his presence lingered, and all day long, he stayed with me. And we walked in perfect calmness over a very troubled sea. Then other ships were blown and battered, and other ships were sore distressed. But the winds that seemed to bother them brought to me a peace and rest. And then I thought of other mornings with a keen remorse of mine, when I too left the morning with God's presence so far behind. So, I think I know the secret. Learn from many a troubled way. If you'll meet God in the morning, you can have him through the day. Learning to take that quiet time alone with the Lord. You'll find when you're starting to unravel, most of the time it's because you're not spending that time with the Lord. It's very miserable living the Christian life without Christ, without his presence in her heart and life. He withdrew himself, a great model. Let's look at the next thing the Bible tells us in verse 17. And it came to pass that on a certain day that he was teaching, and there there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by. Notice, underline your Bible if you're in habit of underline, underline sitting. And they were come out of every town of Galilee. There was a lot of them. Every city seemed to have a representative of these Pharisees and doctors of the law. And from Judea, that was down by Jerusalem. That was from Bethlehem and those areas in Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So we find here, and one of the reasons I think that it's important, that Jesus knew that he was going to come face to face with a lot of adversarial activity in the next part of this section of his, of his day. And he needed to be alone with the Father to get the strength to face it. One of the challenges of the Christian life is it's not easy. 
You're fighting the world. You're fighting the flesh. You're fighting the devil. But he took time to pray. And and the Bible says a certain day after that, he was in a place and these religious leaders who were losing a grip, they 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 were practicing Judaism. They were rejecting Christ. They had heard John the Baptist appeal to them that the Messiah was alive and he was the Lamb of God, and they rejected it. They were stuck in traditionalism. They were stuck in, in orthodoxy, if you will, and were not willing to accept the Messiah. But they came and they filled this house and finding places to sit down. By the way, I'm telling you, friend, some of the most critical people I know and cynics I know sit down and watch the world go by. The people who are not very critical are usually people who are engaged in some sort of service. All of us have opinions about how things should be, but I find that soul winners usually are more unifying and helpful. People who sit around and watch everything and observe and say, well, I'm not getting the attention I else is getting, or I this. Those are usually people, they're not at soul winning means. They're not on bus routes. They're not serving on a Sunday school class. They're not engaged in helping people. And we found here, we have a whole room full of of religious doctors of law, they, they, they've, got, uh, they've got their information fat and application skinny. They know all this stuff up here, but they're not doing what they used to do. And boy, I find myself sometimes, and I find as I study mankind that there are many people who used to, their whole testimony is I used to. I used to give. I used to be a soul winner. I used to go help in this. I used to do this. They're just not doing anything right now. And you know what they want to do? They want to go sit. They want to be armchair quarterbacks and give criticism and and perspectives from what they know but not what they're doing. Jesus said, if you know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Well, let's look and see here. So they're all in this house. They've come from all over the region and even down from southern southern uh, Israel down in Jerusalem and they're coming up and they're hearing all that Jesus is doing. They're coming to investigate for themselves, but not because they want to accept him because they want to reprove him. They're not looking to receive him. They're looking to, to, to be skeptical of him. Look and see what the Bible says in verse 18. And behold, men brought a bed, brought in a bed, a man which was taken of the palsy and they sought means to bring him in, to lay him before him. And when they could not find a way in which they might bring him in because of the multitude, the building was just too crowded with people, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with the couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins be forgiven thee. Thy sins are forgiven thee, excuse me. Verse 21, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering them, said unto them, what reason, why reason, what reason ye in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk. He said, tell me, is it easier? Well, once again, we see that now there is something happened. The crowd is, is, is just shoulder to shoulder. There's no place to get in. But four men have a man sick of a palsy. I mean, he's paralyzed. He can't help himself. And they come in. They probably go to the front door. There's no way there. People are crowded there from the side, from the windows. And so they manage to get on top of the roof and find out where he is in that little house or big house, I don't know. 
and they begin to pull off the roof. Could you imagine all these guys getting dirty? The roof starts falling in on them. They hear the noise up there. What's going on? They're probably saying, hey, I'm getting dust in my hair and all this other stuff that goes on. Nonetheless, they get, they get enough room out and they take maybe their belts off or their sashes and they tie it on there and they lower him down right in front of Jesus. And I can just imagine those four heads looking out of the roof. They're all laying down. Their friend is down there, you know. They're leaning over like this right here and Jesus is got the guy that's, that's, that's paralytic or that's, that's paralyzed there in front of him. And he looks up there, and those guys may be going, hey, you're going to help our friend, right? You just see him, I can just see their little faces hanging off the, off, the, off the roof. Everybody's probably squirreling around trying to figure out and getting their dust out and tell what's going on. I can't believe that's going to be an expensive problem there and all that. These guys are just smiling. <laughs> we did it. We got him to you. And the Lord Jesus said he saw their faith. That guy, that guy, that guy, that guy. They weren't content. They found a creative way to get their friend to Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man that's sick, he said, son, your sins are forgiven you. And as soon as he said that, of course, probably the guys were still smiling, but all of a sudden, the religious doctors of the law said, oh! Could you hear what he said? He's such a blasphemer. He's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God? Guess who Jesus was? Who was Jesus? He was God. And he is God. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Oh, can't believe he just said that. He said, oh. Let me ask you a question. Is it easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or rise up and take your bed and walk? Which is easier? But so you know that God can do both and Jesus is God? He said, get up, walk out of here. And the man who was paralyzed got up, rolled up his, rolled up his bed, put on his shoulder and started walking out. And of course people said, we have seen strange things today. A couple things I see in this passage of scripture as we just look through the Bible. Friend, you know, People need people to get to Jesus. You know, no one, no one gets to Jesus on their own. This morning and tonight, if you have not yet taken the baptism lesson, I hope you will. Brother Steve Kolar will meet you right over here at 5 o'clock, and he'll go through that lesson tonight. A beautiful thing about that baptism thing is Acts chapter 8. You still go through that, don't you? In Acts chapter 8, it's a beautiful story of how that the Ethiopian eunuch needed somebody to help him. And when Philip came to him and said, hey, you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I unless some man should guide me? You know, everybody who gets saved gets saved because somebody helps them. <laughs> somebody helps them. I see in these four men, they were men of faith. And it takes men and women of faith to get other people to Jesus. But I, I also noticed there was compassion. I don't know if it was the man who said, but man... You want to do something good for me? I heard there's someone healing people. I haven't been able to sit up and eat for myself, walk for myself for years. Come on, guys. Would you consider taking me to find Jesus? And his four buddies got him up there and two of them. But you know what's interesting? There's some compassion that is missing today in my life and your life sometimes. Some of us, we're saved, we're going to heaven, and we don't give a rip about somebody else. 
We won't even take a gospel track out of our pocket and hand it to somebody. We won't walk across the street to talk to them about the Lord. We won't engage in conversation. That's a shame. There's a lack of, and some have compassion, making a difference. These men have compassion. They have some creativity, some determination. Sometimes we're glad to do something that's easy for us. If it's easy, we'll do it. I admire so much the bus ministry and the bus workers in our, in our ministry because you know why bus ministries are not thriving today? I'll tell you, it's a four-letter word, W-O-R-K. Do you know why people don't, don't build vibrant Sunday classes? You know why? To do that would take some work. You know why people don't stay faithful in the house of God? Because it's work. But you see, these men had some determination. So many of us, we would have went to our friend or the door and said, oh, it's just too crowded. Sorry, let's go home and we'll just try this another time. These men had, they had compassion that drove them to creativity. They said, what can we do? Where is he at in the house? Let's pull this thing off. Let's get this going. Come on. Jesus doesn't say no to anybody. He won't say no to him. Let's find a way. And boy, he put the, 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 their friend down. I see compassion. I see creativity. And I see confidence. They had confidence, not in themselves, not in the religious leaders of the day. They weren't saying, hey, would you please, Pharisee, will you pray for my friend? No, they, they didn't have the confidence. Do you know who they had confidence in? In the person of Jesus Christ. In the person of Jesus Christ. They had confidence in him. And by the way, you can have that same confidence today. You can have confidence in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look, if we can, please, and conclude this chapter. Not the whole chapter, but just a few more verses. Would you mind? And the Bible says in verse number 21, and the scribes and Pharisees began to reason in their heart, who speaketh of blasphemies? Now verse 22, then Jesus perceived their thoughts, and he answered and said unto them, what reason in your hearts, whether it be easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or arise, take up the bed, and walk. But they, but that they may know that the Son of Man, by the way, that's mentioned 92 times in your New Testament, the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith unto the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up your couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that which he lay, and he departed to his own house. And how did he do that? Glorifying God. Verse 26, read it with me, would you please? And they were all amazed and glorified God. We have seen strange things 